in-depth, investigative. This is KXAN News. Austin's plan and design for light rail expansion is coming into better focus. Earlier today, the Austin Transit Partnership officially recommended a route. Thanks for joining us. I'm Daniel Marine. And I'm Britt Moreno. Thanks for being with us tonight. The 38th to Old Torf to Yellow Jacket is apparently what they prefer. So that is an on-street two-line light rail. And KXAN traffic anchor Erica Brennis takes us along the route. The recommendation from the Austin Transit Partnership is not the route that extends all the way to the airport. Instead, for now, it's the route that stops here at Riverside Drive and Yellow Jacket, just west of Highway 71, where there's an option for a park and ride. From here, the route runs up Riverside Drive to Congress Avenue, where it branches off. To the south, the line will head down South Congress to Old Torf Street, and then to the north, the line will cross over Lady Bird Lake on a brand new bridge and connect to Trinity Street. The route then takes a left on 3rd Street, then a right on Guadalupe, up to 38th Street where it ends. It connects key destinations, it connects people to those destinations and to each other. The plan now moves to Austin City Council and CAP Metro for approval, then it moves to the environmental phase. And that takes a couple of years to get through, so we're in a federal process and have to go through all of the steps necessary to receive federal funding to leverage every local dollar that we have on this program. This particular line is expected to be about nine and a half miles long and to serve 5,000 riders a day, reaching 1,500 affordable housing units. We look at the light rail as really being the spine of the transit network, and it becomes the workhorse that we can feed bus services to or neighborhood circulators to. The line ends, or maybe for you, begins right here at 38th and Guadalupe. Now, there's not a park and ride currently planned here up north, but the long-term vision includes extending this route up to the North Austin Transit Center, where there will be an opportunity for one. In Austin, Erica Brennis, K. KXAN News. Erica, thank you. Now, there is a bill in the legislature that would challenge the funding for Austin's Project Connect. This one would require the city to go back to the voters and get them to approve, allowing the Austin Transit Partnership to issue bonds or debt that would cover future costs. Send that amendment. The amendment is acceptable to the author. Is there objection to the opposite amendment? The chair has done it. Well, today, Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton is calling for an investigation into Speaker of the House Dade Phelan. Yesterday at 5, we showed you video of Phelan appearing to have trouble speaking while presiding on the House floor. In a letter to the Texas House of Representatives General Investigation Committee, Paxton wrote Phelan was, quote, obviously intoxicated, unquote, during a late night session Saturday night. Paxton wants to know whether Phelan violated House rules or state law. We've reached out to the Speaker's office about the video. They have told us simply no comment. Well, over the years, Austin police officers have been indicted on charges stemming from deadly shootings, but none have gone to criminal trial. Right. A Travis County grand jury indicted Officer Scott Glasgow for the 2003 shooting and killing of Jesse Owens. That indictment was thrown out because it lacked criminal charges. And you might remember in 2013, Officer Charles Kleinert was indicted for manslaughter in the shooting death of Larry Jackson Jr. And in that case, the charge was later dropped because a federal judge ruled Officer Officer Kleinert 
was protected at the time because he was working on a special task force. And in 2019, Austin police officer Von Trey Clark pled guilty and was sentenced to life for the murder of Samantha Dean and her unborn baby. That trial was in Bastrop County where her body was found, not in Travis County. Now, Officer Christopher Taylor is the first Austin police officer to stand trial for murder in Travis County. Our Sally Hernandez sat down with a former Austin prosecutor for a unique perspective on the case. Jeremy Celestine, you were once a prosecutor at the Travis County District Attorney's Office, and now you are a defense attorney. So I'm really interested in your analysis of this case. A murder charge is unique for a police officer. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I was thinking back on my time at the DA's office, and I don't recall many cases that reached that level of prosecution. I do know that there was one case that uh, was brought against an APD officer that eventually was removed to federal court. Um, and that had some unique circumstances about it, but I don't recall ever seeing uh, a murder charge in and of itself. Jose Garza, DA Garza, ran his campaign on police accountability. How do you think this case plays into that? Uh, it, it has to be kind of a top priority, and it has been a top priority, obviously. He indicted many officers for their conduct following the killing of George Floyd, uh, and then this case had been lingering before that. So. He made it a priority to take this case to the grand jury. He got the indictment, and I think that it is a top priority, uh, which is evidenced by the fact that he brought in a special prosecutor just for this case. want to touch on that. How rare is it to bring in a special prosecutor, a prosecutor that you work with and that also was in retirement? Yeah, I've never seen anything like this before. Um, I have a lot of respect for Mr. Cobb, and he's one of the finest trial attorneys that there is around. So it speaks highly of him that he was valued in this way for this kind of case. Um, but I've, again, never seen it. It's kind of unprecedented. Okay, we'll definitely have to watch this trial. Jeremy Celestine, I appreciate your expertise on this. First warning weather with Chief Meteorologist David Yeomans. Made it all the way to 92 degrees today in Austin under these mostly sunny skies. Still a beautiful evening here live at the Domain on our Indeed weather cam. Temperatures have dipped slightly but still quite warm out there for a walk this evening. Upper 80s along I-35 to Bastrop. 90 degrees right now in places like Llano and Mason. Just in the past 30 minutes we've had a little isolated shower pop up in northwest Travis County just west of Lakeline Mall close to Cedar Park. Another little downpour near Jonestown. There is a little 10% chance of a downpour like this over the next few hours, but the main event is hours away. We've got a complex of severe thunderstorms from Lubbock to eastern New Mexico. This is eventually going to make it here while we're sleeping tonight. Coming up, I'll show you where those storms may be severe, a timeline of when to expect it overnight, and an update on your holiday weekend rain chances. We have worked hard to prioritize survivors of family violence, and we want to work hard to earn your trust. New at five, the Travis County District Attorney's Office is asking 70 different victims of family violence to now come forward so it can prosecute their cases. The DA says so far his office hasn't been able to make contact with the victims. KXN investigator Avery Travis joins us now and Avery, you sat down with Jose Garza earlier this month for a one-on-one -on -one interview. 
Our team has been digging into criminal case data, really how many and to find out how many and what kind of felony charges his office has dropped over the last few years. And we did find hundreds of family violence cases have been dismissed or rejected. The DA told us these cases are some of the most difficult to prosecute, particularly without a victim's cooperation and testimony. Data we obtained through a public records request shows the top reason a felony family violence charge is dismissed is on the request of the complaining victim. In each of those cases, the district attorney's office makes an independent evaluation of our public safety as a community and the safety of that victim to make a determination about whether we can and should move forward without them. Now keep in mind, this process can be grueling for victims who may in some cases live with or depend on the defendant. That's why the DA offered several new resources today from his office, but also directed people to the Safe Alliance. And we've got links straight to those resources right now online at KXAN.com. During the announcement today, the DA's office also provided some statistics that show his office has nearly doubled the conviction rate for family violence cases since 2018. He's been in office since 2021. And keep in mind, you can watch our full investigation on an increase in dropped felony cases, though, since he's taken office. That's coming up tonight on KXAN at 10. All right, Avery, thank you. Well, a 19-year-old crashes a truck into barriers near the White House. We'll tell you what he's charged with and what else was found at the scene. Plus, the year-long search for a missing girl resumes in Portugal today. And tomorrow marks one year since the shooting at Robb Elementary. Mm. What's changed since then and what has it? Police in Portugal resumed their search for Madeline McCann today. She's the British little girl who went missing in 2007 at the age of three while on vacation with her family. Portuguese police, along with British and German colleagues, searched a reservoir near the area where she disappeared. The search was at the request of German law enforcement. In 2020, German officials identified a German man named Christian Bruckner as a suspect in the case, but he has not been charged with anything. Bruckner lived in the area where McCann went missing but has denied any involvement. He is currently serving a seven-year prison sentence in Germany for a rape he committed in Portugal in 2005. A truck purposely crashed into security barriers near the White House overnight. This according to police. Investigators arrested 19-year-old Sai Varshith Kandul from Missouri on multiple charges, including threatening to kill or harm a president, vice president, or family member. It happened on Lafayette Square, which is less than a block from the White House. House. Authorities say Kandul drove a U-Haul through a barricade and then made threatening statements toward the White House. A Nazi flag was found at the scene as well. And while it's not exactly clear how it got there, witnesses say it was taken from the truck and placed on the sidewalk. Fortunately, no one was hurt. Well, this season's home appraisals are out and Central Texans are unhappy with what they're seeing. We're going to tell you how many protests the Travis Central Appraisal District is currently working on. A stray thunderstorm has fired up north of Lakeway. You can see those towering clouds from the Lakeway camera over Cedar Park out toward Jonestown. This will only help the lakes a little bit further. Travis continues to rise about an inch per day, now up over a foot in the past two weeks. Your first warning forecast with some storms tonight coming up. Tomorrow marks one year since an 18-year-old gunman murdered 19 children and two teachers at Robb Elementary School in Uvalde. May 24th is a day families, victims, and the entire community will never forget, but it's also a reminder that families are still waiting for answers and for people to take accountability. NBC's Wendy Woolfolk reports. 
Lord, our hearts are still broken. We are still grieving. Prayers for the overwhelming pain that is still so raw in Uvalde almost one year later. You know, this is something that we live with not even just every day, every second, you know, and just imagine everything you love getting ripped from you. After 12 agonizing months, no answers and no accountability for the families of 19 students and two teachers who were massacred by an 18-year-old with an assault weapon inside Robb Elementary. Everybody that was there that day has to be held accountable. Every agency that was there, and in, 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 in my, this is my opinion, it's, a, it's been a bunch of BS. Some families turning their anguish into action urging state lawmakers to raise the legal age to purchase an assault rifle from 18 to 21. You see, if the age limit would have been 21, my daughter, 18 of her friends, and two of her teachers would still be alive today. But that bill didn't make it to the House floor, deepening their frustrations and adding to their unimaginable grief. There's no moving on. There's not, I'm stuck on that day and I will forever be stuck on that day. May 24th, 2022, a day that changed this small town forever. Wendy Wolfolk, NBC News, Uvalde. Super Typhoon Mawar is barreling towards Guam as we speak. The U.S. island territory is east of the Philippines in the West Pacific. The governor of Guam issued a mandatory evacuation as the storm is expected to have winds, rain, and storm surge equivalent to a strong Category 4 hurricane. Now, the West Pacific is prone to some of the world's strongest tropical storms, but a direct hit from a storm, thats this strength is extremely rare. It's only happened about eight times in the last 75 years. And David, Guam, we know, is only about 30 miles long, so we can imagine the impact of something like this. That's right, and we're watching that storm with near 155-mile-an-hour winds, almost a Category 5, as you mentioned, approaching Guam. Things have likely gotten a lot worse there since you saw that video that we just showed you. You can see the eye kind of disappearing over the past couple of hours as it approaches that tiny island. This is just what's called an eyewall replacement cycle. It's something that the strongest hurricanes do. The eyewall closes off only for a new one to form. That will happen imminently as this powerful typhoon, same thing as a hurricane, just a different part of the world, approaches Guam. We'll keep you advised on that. Our local hurricane season begins in just over a week, June 1st. Hopefully nothing like that in the Gulf this year. Here out there tonight, it has been a hot day, but we actually have a little isolated downpour firing just west of Anderson Mill, the Cedar Park area. This is just on the northern shores here of Lake Travis. No big storm risk, but a couple little isolated guys like this are possible over the next few hours. The pollen count is crowded, but like recent days, nothing is high or very high. Mold is actually down, but still in the medium concentration. Hickory, oak, and a few others are all staying low. A first complex of storms that we told you about last night clipped the northern hill country this morning with some gusty winds, some quarter to half inch rain totals. That complex is now bringing some rain to Houston. We are watching up the road for our next complex of storms. This is all happening, as we discussed yesterday, on the eastern side of this ridge of high pressure. These little complexes of storms, which are very hard to time out until they actually develop, stop, uh, start coming our way just about every night of the next several on this northwest flow. Now, 
tonight, more of us will see rain and more of us actually have a risk of a strong or severe storm. One out of five threat overnight in Austin, two out of five in the northern hill country. Looks like gusty winds and a little small hail are the main concerns from these storms. Notice the rain coverage very isolated this evening, but overnight starting about midnight in the hill country, then through 5, 6 a.m. as they exit our eastern counties. This is the greatest rain coverage, so you might miss it if you're sleeping the whole time. Let me show you the high resolution model. Aside from a couple little isolated storms here over the next few hours, the main event doesn't come until the overnight hours. Here we are in the northern hill country after midnight. The first storms enter by 4 a.m. We've got widespread thunderstorms and some nice rain falling in the hill country. Remember, the Austin area has a lower threat of severe weather. We expect these storms to weaken. Still could have some gusty winds, lightning, and heavy rain as late tonight as about 5, 6 a.m. So if you're waking up early, remember that. By most of our morning commutes, though, the rain will be clearing to the east. And behind this complex of storms, we actually mainly look dry tomorrow. But remember, I told you these storms are difficult to time out. The most likely thing looks like another round of overnight storms into early Thursday morning. But it is possible we see a little rain tomorrow afternoon. Over the next 36 hours, the hill country cashing in on the most beneficial and widespread rain. Over there, we could see a couple one-inch totals in the Austin area eastward, lighter amounts than that. So tonight's forecast, pretty good shot of some thunderstorms for many, 67 degrees with a light east wind. Tomorrow depends on what happens tonight, but it looks warm with a couple scattered storms possible, 89 degrees. Uh, chances of rain actually go down late this week into the beginning of the holiday weekend as that ridge moves more overhead, but then they return Sunday into Memorial Day. On Memorial Day, a few scattered late evening thunderstorms look possible. Texas nuns suing a bishop over adultery allegations. The response from both sides and the push to keep the issue a matter of church versus state. Well, it is property tax protest season. It is already underway here in Travis County, and the Travis Central Appraisal District is going through thousands of protests that property owners sent in for their 2023 appraisals. TCAD's chief appraiser says the district is currently processing about 165,000 protests. Now they say that number is on par with TCAD's protest numbers last year. Homeowners had to submit protests by May 15th. Certified estimates are expected to be ready in late July, and all protests should be completed before August 30th. Under this story at KXAN.com, find an interactive graph on changing home values in Travis County and the property tax bills to look out for in the Texas legislature. A group of nuns are suing a Catholic diocese and a bishop in Fort Worth after the bishop accused one of them of breaking her vow of chastity with a priest. Reverend Mother Teresa Agnes Gerlach has been a nun for 25 years. Health problems force her to use a wheelchair and a feeding tube. Now in the lawsuit, the Reverend Mother claims back in April, Bishop Michael Olson and other members of the diocese showed up at their monastery, downloaded information from her phone, and interrogated her and other sisters about the allegations that she broke her vow of chastity. Now she says the bishop had no authority to do this since her order reports directly to the Vatican. The bishop and his legal team maintain the lawsuit should not move forward due to the separation of church and state. Tonight on KXAN, the season 23 winner of The Voice will be revealed. Could it be Noiva from Hutto? Tune in tonight to cheer him on and stay with us for KXAN News at 10. Or as always, you can join us an hour earlier for KXAN News at 9 on the CW Austin. Here is where to find us. Thanks for listening to KXAN News Nightly. 
You can also listen to KXAN News Today every morning for more in-depth coverage of what matters most to you.